Good morning, everybody. I, I, I just feel like my sermon is already preached this morning. So, <laughs> God is good. Uh, we are in a very exciting series in the book of Acts. And we are looking at uh, partnering with the presence of the Holy Spirit. I really love the book of Acts in the sense that, you know, it's the, it's the journey of the Christian life. You know, how it begins, how the church begins, how the church grows. And I like the way the book is left in a limbo, like on a journey. So we, we add on our bit as we go till we will get to eternity. So it's a very exciting journey. And I want to invite you to journey with us on this exciting experience. And I thank God because of the presence of the Holy Spirit throughout the book of Acts. You know, God is so good that when he sent Jesus to come, he brought his presence down. We do not have to go on, you know, trying to please him to come to us or bring his presence. When we come, we find he's already there. We can ask him for an increase of his presence. But his presence never departs from us. It's always with us. And that is what I want you to, to know that, you know, when you come into the presence of God, you do not need to, you know, engage into some kind of manipulation for him to come. Because he is already there. But you can ask for an increase in his presence. So I want to start off by an exercise. Uh, I want you to think and imagine, probably some of you are dreaming about this already. What kind of a church would you want to be part of? What sort of a church would you say, yes, this is the church that I want to be part of? <laughs> Great, this one. Anybody else? <laughs> Elaborate a little bit for me. What is it about this church that you feel, I like this church because of this? It's filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit? Freedom? Uh-huh. Family, yes. Love? Throw them out, throw them out. Great times of worship. Great times of worship. <laughs> Great. Great teaching. Oh, food, great. I, I feel like my sermon is done. <laughs> right, I, I want to take you in the book of Acts chapter 2. I'm going to take the, a couple of verses at the end of chapter 2, which is uh, verse 42 to 47. And the Bible says, the word should be there on the screen, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possession to give to anyone who had need. Every day they combined, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Now Jesus started his ministry teaching. And Mark 1, 21 records that when Jesus started speaking, he spoke 
with authority. He spoke as one who had authority. Now Jesus would say in John 7, 14 to 17, he will say, uh, my teaching, those words are on the screen, um, he will say, my teaching is not my own, it comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find, will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak of on my own. Whoever speaks on their own does not gain personal glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Now when Jesus started speaking, people realized something about how he spoke. They realized that he spoke with authority, not as the teachers of the law. Now, long time ago, I used to think that speaking with authority is speaking really loud and powerfully and banging tables and screaming. But that is actually not what speaking with authority is all about. Speaking with authority is speaking with the knowledge and understanding of where the power in the word that you are speaking comes from. Speaking with authority is speaking in a sense of being sure and having faith and belief and trust and hope in what you are speaking. And that is how Jesus spoke and taught. And as Jesus did that, he took 12 guys and he started speaking to them and teaching them and nurturing them. And he would later tell these guys in Matthew 28, at the end of his ministry, he would later tell them, all authority in heaven and earth, I have given it to you. In other words, the authority that I have been speaking with, the authority that I have been working with, I have given that to you. So you are going to speak with the same authority that I have been speaking with. And that promise and that commission is not only for the 12 apostles that he chose, but it's for all of us Christians. That the same authority that Jesus was speaking with is the same authority that he has empowered each one of us to be able to speak with. So John, and then he did not just say those words blindly, but he went further and told them, you know, this might not make sense to you, as he told them in John 14, verse 26. He told them, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. At that point when he was speaking to them about you are going to have power and authority, they did not understand what he was on about. But he reminded them and told them, I'm going to pray to the Father, I'm going to ask the Father to give you another helper, the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit is going to bring to your memory everything that I have taught you and is going to empower you to be able to communicate that with others around you. So when the book of Acts starts, it starts with a group of disciples, a bunch of them, assembled together, hiding away. They were praying, yes, they were praising, but in reality, they were hiding. Because Jesus, their master, their Lord and Savior, had just been killed on the cross. A brutal, violent, publicized kind of death. And none of them wanted to be associated or to be seen on the street to be supporting this Jesus Christ. 
So, they found refuge in each other and they hid away somewhere so that they can just be together and kind of be miserable together. But then they start worshipping and praising and then boom, the Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost. And trust me, when the Holy Spirit comes, the roof is blown off. Everything becomes clear. And we see from this story, as you have seen in the recent past, that Peter, who had been so much afraid, Peter, who in his previous life, he he had just denied Jesus three times because he was so afraid that he's going to be executed with Jesus. Peter, who John tells us that he had gone off fishing, fishing after Jesus had rose from the dead, the dead, and he was not seeing this Jesus around with him. He had decided, oh, I'm going fishing. And he had gone off fishing. Peter, who was terrified when he was on the lake, on the lake and he was sinking as he was walking on the water, then he was sinking because of his fear. Now we see Peter rising up and declaring that Jesus is Lord. And Peter gives this brilliant sermon that Keith alluded to last week. And Peter, who is a fisherman, a man who is not yet learned into the principles of the law, a man who hasn't really studied scripture as the scribes and the Pharisees has. Now Peter, words just start coming out of the mouth of Peter, and people are wondering how come this man is speaking this way. Peter goes on to prophesy and look back into the prophecies of Joel and says that Joel says that in the last day, the Holy Spirit will be poured out. Your sons and daughters are going to prophesy. Your young men are going to dream dreams, as Keith alluded to last week. Peter goes on to dig deeper into the scriptures in the Old Testament and he brings out David prophecies of how the king will sit on the throne of David until his, his enemies are laid down by his footsteps. He goes on to dig prophecies that only scribes and Pharisees will be familiar with. Why? Because the power of the Holy Spirit has come upon him. The same power of the Holy Spirit is present with us today and always. We do not need to look far. He is here. So, the Bible says that the early believers, as Peter preaches this sermon, and 3,000 people come to faith. These 3,000 people were not just people who were in Jerusalem, living in Jerusalem. No, but because it was during the festival season, there were people who had traveled from miles away to come into Jerusalem. So, lots of them hung around because of this new buzz, this new, new, new fellowship that had come up, this new excitement that has come up when the Holy Spirit came, and they hung about. And these 3,000 people, and adding in number every day, they remained in Jerusalem. And as they remained in Jerusalem, we are told that they devoted themselves to apostles' teaching. Now, I just want to explore these four key areas a little bit. They devoted themselves to four things. They devoted themselves to apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to breaking of bread. And they devoted themselves to prayer. So what does devoting mean? Devoting is a word that means to 
be honest towards. It's a word that means also to persevere, to be consistently diligent, to give oneself continually, to continue in, to wait on continually. We say here one of our values is to be expectant. To be expectant is you are trusting and have faith in God that he is going to show up. And this is the kind of faith these early believers had. They had some birds into them, some trust and believe that when we gather together, God is going to show up. And I want to assure you that if you come to church, if you approach prayer, if you approach fellowship with that attitude of having faith that God is going to show up, I want to assure you that God is going to show up. And this is the kind of attitude that these early believers had. This life that they started was a life of commitment. It was a life of surrender. It was a life of pure purity. This is life language. It's not classroom language. It's about honestly persevering in learning and living God's word. Such devotion will help us avoid common mistakes that we Christians make if we are not devoted. One of the common mistakes that we make if you are not, if you are not committed to God is contented ignorance. We can absolutely decide to ignore what God is telling us. And it wouldn't, it wouldn't matter a hoot to us. If we are not devoted, that is the mistake we will make. We can also over mystify God and the word of God. We have people who they really value their Bible. Which is a good thing in a sense. But they value the Bible as a book. But not what is written in it. They have made the Bible their God. Such people will kill you if they find, if they find you having a dirty Bible. Because they, they will think, how dare you have a dirty Bible? They will want to keep it so clean and nice and covered, but they won't go through the pages and read what is in it. These kind of people will wear crosses around their necks. And they will think that by wearing that cross, they are being so holy. So they are mystifying God. They are mystifying the word of God. But they are actually not living it. That is not devotion that these early believers were devoted to. Apart from over mystifying this word, we can take it as mere academic study. I'm surprised when I find scholar after scholar, so many scholars who have studied the Bible, who teach on the Bible, who teach the theology of the Bible, but they are actually not Christians. They have studied the word, they have studied the theology, they can compare and contrast, but they don't believe themselves. So they have taken the word of God to be just another book. Church, that is not what the early believers did. This is what the early believers did. Look at Acts 17, 11. This is Paul 
on his mission. And he's saying, now the Darian Jews were of more notable character than those in Thessalonica. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if Paul said, if, if what Paul was saying was true. As a result, many of them believed and did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. This is what devotion looks like. Paul was on his journey preaching the gospel, teaching, and telling the people the, the story of Christ. But these guys, they did not just take Paul's word for it. They went back home and they examined the scriptures. And trust me, at this time, age in time, examining the scriptures wasn't as easy as you and I examine scripture now. Right now I can think of a verse. I can only think of one line. And I'll put it in Google and Google will bring me the scripture. But at that time, they had scrolls. These long things that they, they would roll and roll. And they, they were so rare. You could only find them in synagogues. And these scrolls were so holy that no serious rabbi will hand them to you to even read it. So you had to ask someone who is so holy to read for you the scrolls. But these early believers were so determined that they went and searched those scrolls to see actually what Paul is saying. Is it true or it's not true? I want to challenge you, my brothers and sisters, that when you see the gospel of Jesus Christ being preached, don't just take the preacher's word for it. Go and search the scriptures for yourself and see, is what the preacher is saying true or not true? Because I want to tell you, we are living in such dangerous times. There are people who have come up with cleverness of manipulating the word of God for their own personal gain. And we see them all over in the streets, in the television, in radios. And you can get hooked into that and they will start teaching you a theology that is not true. The Bible actually warns us of false preachers. So I want to encourage you. Be a student of the word of God. Go and search the scriptures to get this truth from it. So why were they doing that? They were doing that to rid themselves of wrong ideas. As I said, false teachers. They were also doing that to enable them make wise decisions. These early believers had a big thing that called, what would Jesus do? So in every situation, they would search the scriptures. They will search, what did Jesus do in this area? And then they will go do that. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. So they devoted themselves to apostles' teaching. But watch this. This is very important. The Bible says they devoted themselves to apostles' teachings. What it doesn't say is that they devoted themselves to apostles. There is a huge difference. Because some Christians devote themselves to apostles, to pastors, to teachers. 
but not to the teaching. And that is where trouble comes. That is where you find yourself, you are in a church, and you are looking at someone that is preaching, and you are thinking, I really don't like their hairstyle. (laughs) Or, I'm not sure if I like his beard or not. They didn't look at the apostles. Their devotion was on the word that the apostles were bringing to them. And I want to tell you that there are so many pampered, beautiful pastors and preachers and apostles out there who have these beautiful, magnificent churches and synagogues. Please don't be hooked into that. Look at the word of God, the message of truth. Forget about the sideshows. Because those are things that will distract you to get to what God wants you to. These early believers, they didn't even have churches. We are really struggling nowadays. Oh, we need a church. We need a place. And we have to contribute money and buy buildings. They didn't have that. But if you read about their character and the way they presented themselves, you say, wow, this is Christ. This is Christ at work. And that is what Jesus wants you and me to see. Here at church, we have elders and deacons and leaders who share the word of God. When we share the word of God here, we are accountable to each other and we are accountable also to God. Now, we, we, we try to practice a mode as a church of being accountable. That is why we are not a church that is on a lone ranger. This church is part of another big thing called New Frontiers. It's also part of another smaller thing that the New Frontiers called Catalyst Network of Churches. And at the realm of Catalyst Network of Churches, we have leaders there like David Devinish, like Simon Holly, who are like the apostles that go out to nations to reach out. But on the other lower level, we have hubs that also work with churches. You might have seen Andy Robertson come here recently to speak to us. Now the elders here, they are accountable and natured by Andy Robertson. And Andy Robertson is natured by Simon Holly and David Devinish. Why do we do all of these things? We do these things so that we can be accountable as a body of Christ. As a Christian, you shouldn't be a lone ranger and say that I'm going to just do my thing. We need to be accountable to each other and ultimately we need to be accountable to God. So in all these checks and balances, we want to make sure that the gospel that we are bringing, the message that we are bringing is the message of truth that will lead you to eternal life. Number two, they devoted themselves to fellowship. Now their fellowship was a very strong linkage between each other. They shared common interests. They spent time together worshipping and praying and delighting in each other. 
They spend time together worshiping and they spend time together sharing the word and sharing the stories. I want to encourage you of the importance of fellowship. When we meet here together on a Sunday morning, we are fellowshipping. We've come here to worship God, but we've come here also to keep check and balance with each other. We've come here to encourage. We've come here to bless. We've come here to help. We've come here to make friendships and make connections. And a church should be a very good place where fellowship happens. So I want to encourage you. If you are feeling alone in the church, please join the queue. And get linked to someone else. And let us make fellowship. Because the early believers, they did not just stop at church. But they went a step further and made fellowship in the community. They made fellowship in their homes. I want to encourage you, be someone who will draw people to you. It says in 1 John that that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. The apostles were drawing people to have fellowship with them. And in doing so, they will have fellowship with the Father. So when you have fellowship with each other, there are so many things that you can, de- you can decide. There are so many things that you can disciple and mentor each other. There are so many troubles that you can go together and speak to each other and help each other out. These believers at first, they gave everything freely to share with each other. Nobody considered anything their own. But they kind of put something, everything on the table for it to be shared. I find that really challenging. Imagine someone saying, I've opened my account to you. Here is my debit card. My money is your money. Here is the keys to my house. My house is your house. Here is the way to my fridge. (laughs) My food is your food. That is the kind of believers they were. And it is something that we can echo here in our fellowship. Here in our fellowship, we have connect groups. They are small groups that meet every Tuesday and every Wednesday. Now we meet as small groups so that you don't have a hundred people that you need to talk to. You can have eight or you can have six or you can have ten. I would encourage you if you are not already to connect with one of these groups. Because at these small groups is when you start to share. It's when people start to understand you personally and what is going on in your life. It's where you get people around you to pray for you for issues that you are struggling with. It's where you get people to point you in the right direction of the challenges that you are having. So I will encourage you to fellowship in connect groups. We have things like food bank that we have opened up a channel for those who are disadvantaged in our community to come and have Food, so that they can feed themselves and their families. It is fellowship. So if you see someone struggling, you can point them to food bank. 
We have courses like marriage course. And eat well, spend less, eat well. You can point people to such fellowship because they are good fellowship that will help them in nurturing and coming up. All these things are geared towards us as a body together on a journey for the kingdom of God to come. Not only on fellowship, they spend time breaking bread. Now when I read this at first, I thought it was the breaking bread that we do every other Sunday of communion. It is communion, yes, but these guys went a step further by actually having meals. Now if you want to get a bunch of people together and you hear laughs and screams and stories that are so deep, you make a meal. And you will hear secrets of men around the table. And these early believers, they knew that. And here at Beacon's Church, we try a little bit (laughs) to create space for us to have meals together. God has blessed us with this building and we have a coffee shop here. I want to tell you, if you've never popped into this coffee shop in a week when it is running, please do so. Come buy a cup of coffee. Or you can make one upstairs cheat and come down. (laughs) 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 But come around here. Come and see other people. They are lovely guys here at church who do a fantastic job If you've never seen Brian in an apron, pop in at some point. You will see Brian in an apron here. They are guys here volunteering, just serving people. Just coming around and sitting with you and having a conversation over a cup of coffee and cake. They even run reduced prices on cakes at some time. It is a joy to have this space. Because God has blessed us with this space so that we can enjoy fellowship with each other. So I would encourage you, if you haven't done so already, pop over. But not only so. Let us be okay to open our houses for people to come in and have a meal with you. On, I think it was Thursday or so. Thursday. Thursday. Steph, my friend, who I've known for (coughs) over 10 years, I've been in this church really since Steph was just a little girl. You know, she came came to my house with her lovely heart to say, okay, I'm just going to come, spend some time with Zachary, and you know, you can go out, have a run or something. And she comes, and she can't even find my house. So she calls me. I can't. I'm here on the streets. I I can't find your house. So I see her in the window and I call her. And it just struck me. You know, this duh feeling. That I have known Steph for 10 or so years. But she has never been to my house. Now I know it's not just Steph. You know, probably half of this church, you've never been to my house. And that is really bad, you know. So, I want to encourage you. Let's have fellowship. 
And I'm not talking about just the same culprits, the same friends that you have over and over and recycle. You go to theirs, they come to you as you go to theirs. But people that have never, people that you never speak to. Why can't you make a point this month to say, I'm going to invite so and so that I never even have anything to talk to them about. I'm going to invite them over for a cup of tea. I'm going to invite them over for dinner. And let me just get to know them better. Let's do it, church. Because these are the things that build the early church. So we should be emulating these examples. If you don't have space in your house, if you don't want people to come in the church, God has blessed us with this building. There is a whole space up there. And let me let you in the secret if you don't know. It is free for church members to use. So all you have to do is book. First come, first served. So if you have a bunch of friends that you want to have fellowship with, by all means, pop Sarah an email and tell her, I want this date. Is it free? You won't pay anything. Let's have fellowship church. Because that is what will build us into the next level. That is when we will start realizing the needs that are there. The needs for prayer. The needs to grow into faith. The needs to disciple each other. The needs to encourage. It's a hard journey that we are on. We need each other. And not only that, but Jesus was a great, great lover of getting people around food. Just see the feeding of the 10,000. The feeding of the 5,000. And then even after he had resurrected, he walks with these guys on a Sunday morning. He walks with them, explaining to them things pertaining to himself. And then what do they do? They get to the house. And there at the table, he breaks bread. And when he breaks bread, according to what is written in Luke 24, 30 to 31, it says, when... He was at the table with them. He took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. When were their eyes opened? At the table. When he broke bread. And I want to assure you, conversations will open at the table. Secrets will be revealed at the table. Encouragements will come at the table. Good manners will be found at the table. Church, let's do this. And last but not least, they devoted themselves to prayer. I'm not going to say much about prayer because we've said a lot already about prayer. All I can say is next Saturday, come. Come for the prayer meeting. And you know what? There is breakfast after. (laughs) Let us develop a culture whereby we will commit ourselves, devote ourselves to apostles' teaching, apostolic teachings, devote ourselves to fellowship, devote ourselves to prayer, and devote ourselves to breaking of bread. I want to say this as I conclude. Be expectant of what God is doing. Because God is doing something new. It, I started this morning by saying, 
God is saying that, behold, I'm starting something new. Behold, I make everything new. This might be that new start that you need in your life. And God is telling you, here is where you start. And I want to invite you. If you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I want to invite you. This is a new beginning. This is the day of the Lord's salvation. He's beseeching after you come and see how you will journey with him. We need to be people who will be excited about what is happening in God's family. We love sharing stories here at church. And I want to encourage you, let us encourage each other as we share those stories. Because sharing these stories reveals to us that our God is at work. I want to encourage you also, if you are here and you are in need, in any sort of need, please ask for help. Don't keep quiet. Whether you are in need financially, whether you are in need spiritually, whether you are in need in any way, marital issues, relationship issues, please speak to someone. Because you know what I'm going to say. If you can help, help. There will be someone here who will meet your need. If we can't meet your need, there are other places, network, connection, fellowships that we can have, we have that can meet your need. So please don't suffer in silence. You have an opportunity to have a family like this with diversity and various gifts and talents. We want to invite you into this family. Let us nurture you. Let us build you up. Let us enjoy having fellowship with you. And God will bless us as we go.